nation with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise. Think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and, and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And here's now the text we consider. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's the word of God that we have before us this morning. In the previous verses, the Apostle Paul expresses his contentment. Paul, at this time, was imprisoned in Rome for preaching the gospel. And the church of Philippi, who was very dear and close to him, had for some time sought to bring a gift to him to help him in his situation. And finally, they were able to get it to him through Epaphroditus. This gift gave Paul great joy. But he goes on to say, it's not because he was in want and they relieved his want. That's not the source of his joy. His joy is found in the fact that this was a gift of love and gave evidence of the grace of God in their hearts. Verse 17 summarizes this. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. That's why I have this joy. And so Paul adds, in that context, that he has learned in whatsoever state therewith to be content. He speaks of being abased and abounding, being full and being hungry, of abounding and suffer need, not suffering need. And Paul indicates that he has been instructed, that is, found the secret to be content in all these circumstances. And now in the verse that we consider this morning, the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the key, first of all, for me being content in all these difficult circumstances. I can do this. I can be content in all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? But of course, this has a broader application than just finding contentment in our lot in life. The Apostle Paul speaks broader and says, I can do all things, that is, that God places before me to do. Whatever he places before me to do, I can do it. Not in my own strength but in Jesus Christ, 
who strengthens me. I can do all these things. Very important truth for us to hear, to embrace, and practice. Are you content in your lot of life? Do you find things that are to you impossible that the Lord requires? Are you ready to say, I, I, I can't, I can't? No, don't do that. I can do all things that God requires of me. No, not in my own strength. Don't try that. But through Jesus Christ, who strengthens me. I had learned this as a young man, struggling with the sins of youth. I couldn't put them away because I was doing it or trying in my own strength. But in Christ, I could. Not on my own, but in Christ, who strengthened me. Let's consider this under the theme, I can do all things. Let's consider, first of all, what can I do? Secondly, in whose power can I do it? And finally, how I receive this power. Paul makes a personal confession. I can do all things, as we've indicated. That means I can do all things that the Lord places before me in the service of His name. Whatever He calls me to do, I can do it. The Lord had called Paul out of Phariseeism on the Damascus Road to be an apostle. An apostle to bring the gospel to the Gentile world. That placed before him many duties. He was called to preach the gospel throughout the Mediterranean world, first to the Jews, then to the Gentile communities. Then when churches were formed, well, they had troubles. There was a Jewish nucleus of mature believers and then many, many Gentiles who came out of heathendom. And there were troubles. And if you read Paul's epistles, he has to deal with this problem and that fire. All the weight of the churches were upon him. And then he had to be an example of those to whom he ministered. When I was in seminary, one of my profs said, don't just tell people what to do. Show them by your example. And that's what Paul did. He speaks of that in this, in this uh, letter. Chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me. In other words, follow my example. And then in the chapter we have before us, verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Practice. Follow my example. And that work was not easy. As we pointed out, he speaks in the previous verse of being abased. As he was doing the work of the Lord as an apostle, he was abased, that is, reduced to mean and humble circumstances. That's further explained by the fact that he was hungry often and in need, in want. And these difficult circumstances were brought upon by Paul by a number of things. Number one, 
There were the rigors of moving from one community to the other, to the other, one town after another, and not having the support financially of anyone but himself. He was a tent maker. Every city that he set up in, he made tents and sold them to support not only himself, but also those who were with him. No easy task. And then there was the constant pressure of opposition and persecution. He would go, first of all, to the Jewish synagogue and proclaim to them, the promised Savior, of which the Bible speaks of old, has come, Jesus of Nazareth. And there was very little positive reaction among those Jews. Some, but he was harshly opposed by the Jewish community in in every city. And often, he was beaten, stoned, one time left for dead. His back was a mass of scars from being whipped a number of times. Fifty lashes save one. And then there was the thorn in his flesh, of which he speaks in 2 Corinthians 12, and we'll come back to that later. Some physical ailment that made it difficult for him to do his work. Some say he had poor eyesight. Some said he he had a stuttering problem. We simply don't know. But there was this thorn in the flesh that nagged at him, that the devil used to cuff him, beat him, he says. And then, on top of it all, Paul also had a sinful nature as we do, and as all of God's people do. A sinful nature that was not in line with all that he was doing. That kept on saying, why are you doing this? Why are you taking all this opposition? Why are you going all these different places? Why? Turn away from it. Walk away. With many temptations he met because of his sinful nature. Yet Paul confesses, I can do all things. The word translated can means has the idea of strength. I have the strength to do all that God calls me to do, to move from one place to another, to support myself and my company financially, to suffer opposition, to deal with this thorn in my flesh. I am able to do all these things that Christ has given me to do. What Paul confesses here for himself is true of every believer. Every one of you here who belongs to Jesus Christ can say, I can do all things. God has given each of us in His church what the Heidelberg Catechism calls a station and calling. An explanation of the prayer, Thy will be done. The Catechism speaks of our station and calling. You work in a factory. I worked in a factory when I was in school for one summer. Uh, I, I admire people who can do that all their life long. I had a station right here. And I had a duty in that station. I had a sand by hand, bleach sand, chair after chair after chair with a great big clock 
<laughs> right in front of me. The time never moved. Sand, sand, never moved. <laughs> a station and a, and a duty. Well, God has given to us each in his kingdom a station, a place of work, and a calling to serve him in his church and kingdom. And the station that each one of us has is unique to us. It will change as you pass through life. Your station and calling in the kingdom as a young person will change as you get married, as you mature, as you become old. And some of the duties that you have and are called to, you share with others in the kingdom. But nevertheless, every saint has a unique station and calling in the church determined by God according to the gifts he has given to you. The duties that belong to our station and calling include such things as being a husband and wife. There's duties there. Are you a parent? There are a lot of duties that come with parenthood in the covenant of God. That's part of your station calling. Are you an office bearer in the church? An elder? A deacon? A minister? That's part of your, your station and calling. Are you a teacher in the Christian school? Are you a member of the school board? Are you a young, a young person growing up in the church? You have a station and calling too, and that's to apply yourself and prepare yourself for future work in the kingdom. Has God placed before you the calling to care for an aged parent? To care for a sick person? To pay attention to and help someone who is poor, a poor family? And then God has called many of us to use our life's experiences to help widows, to help those who are depressed, to help those who are controlled by alcohol and drugs. You know, if you ever experienced some of those things in the past and by the grace of God overcame them, you have a gift. And God said, now use it. Use it to help others who have similar issues. And it's not always easy to perform the work of our calling. The adversity that Paul experienced in his work comes to all the saints. Often we are to serve the Lord in sickness or with a thorn in our flesh, some disability, or in poverty or in opposition to those who don't like what we're doing. And sometimes the work that God gives to us seems to be overwhelming. How in the world can I possibly do this? He put this here. How can I do it? And we have to deal with that always with our sinful nature. That says, don't do this. This is too hard. This, is, this takes away from life. Ignore what God says. Go your own way. Each one of us as God's people is able to do all things that God places before us. 
If it's clear to us that God calls us to do something, we must not say, I can't. I can't. God gives us another child in our home. I can't handle another child. I can't. Marriage isn't what I thought it was. I can't live with this person. There's this brother in the church or sister. I can't love this person. Look what he's done to me. I'm called to serve in the office of elder or deacon. I can't. I remember a a man in my former church. He was in his 50s. He got a letter of nomination to be an elder. He says, I almost threw up. I almost threw up. We might say, I can't. Nor must we conclude that Paul, being an apostle, was unique in the ability to do all things that God called him to do. This is attainable to all believers. The Bible is filled with examples. Remember Moses? Thought he could lead Israel out of Egypt by himself? It failed. He spent the next 40 years in the wilderness tending sheep by his father-in-law. Then the Lord came to him in the burning bush and says, Go, go deliver my people. And Moses says, I can't do that. Will they listen to me? I can't speak very well. So Paul, the Lord gave him signs he could do. He gave his brother along with him. Go. Think of the monumental task. Delivering the people of Israel after 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Deliver them out of the hand of Pharaoh. He did it. Look at Joseph, sold by his brothers at the age of 17 into slavery in Egypt. They're called to be faithful. How many here are teenagers? What about you being put in that situation? Would you crumble? Would you fail? Would you turn from God in bitterness? Not Joseph. He was faithful and thus was elevated to the place of the chief servant of Potiphar. And then Potiphar's wife sought repeatedly to bring him into a sinful affair and he resisted. And then he was thrown in prison and he was a model prisoner so that he was in a very responsible place. He didn't say, I can't. Think of Daniel and his three friends brought into captivity, sat before the king's table to eat meat, offered to idols. No, we're not going to do that. Give us, give us the meal and the food of common people and give us the test to see once whether we can survive and thrive. And then, Daniel's three friends were placed before the terrible situation, either bow to this great big 90-foot idol and image in the plains of Dura or be burned in the furnace. 
We're not afraid of you, Nebuchadnezzar. We're not going to bow before you. This image which represents you and your kingdom and your God. They could do it. And what Paul and others have done, so can you. So can you. And whose power can you do this? Not in your own. That's clear from many examples in Scripture. I'll give two. Jesus was spending the last night with his disciples, the night in which he was arrested, and then the next day crucified. And he was in the Garden of Gethsemane with them, and he was overwhelmed. So he took three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, a little bit further into the garden and says, watch here for me. And he went further into the garden and sweat blood, great drops of blood, and prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And then he goes back and his disciples, Peter, James, and John, are sleeping. And he says to them, Matthew 26, verse 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into a temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit that has been given to us, that has transformed us by His grace into, two, into new men and women, and the Spirit is willing. That is, through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, there is within us the willingness, the eagerness to serve God, no matter the cost, no matter how high the obstacle is. The Spirit is willing. We want to. But the flesh is weak. The flesh here is our own sinful nature. The whole of our being, heart, mind, soul, and strength, from the viewpoint of it being still, well, when we fell in Adam, we, it came completely under the power of sin. And when we're renewed by the Holy Spirit, that work isn't finished yet, is it? We're new men, we're new women, willing, eager to do the Lord's work. But there still remains within us the power of sin, the flesh. And that flesh is weak. It's not able to accomplish the will of the Spirit. Doesn't want to. And should we rely upon our own strength to do the work of the Lord with all of its obstacles and all of its difficulties, we will be helpless. That old sinful nature will render us helpless and impotent. The Catechism speaks in the connection with the prayer of the Lord, lead us not into temptation. We are so weak that we cannot stand a moment. That's where, the, that's where it is. 
if we rely on ourselves. We've got another passage that emphasizes the same, only from a different viewpoint. Jesus in John 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Oh, there's a lot of things we can do apart from Christ. We can even live a moral life. Outward morality. The Pharisees were points of example. Outwardly, their lives were impeccable by the standard of the law. But they weren't doing the work of the Lord. They were faith, faithless shepherds, tearing down the church of, Je- of God with their works righteousness. We may all know of very moral people. The Meyer stores are regional here. Fred Meyer, who built up this empire, was a very moral man. You ought to read his, his biography. He was a very moral man. But that's all he was. And as far as the kingdom is concerned, he did nothing. Absolutely nothing. He built his own empire, but did nothing in the kingdom of God. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are not able to bring forth the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits to serve the Lord in His kingdom. And that's verified by many examples from Scripture. Look at Abraham, the father of all the faithful. Sometimes he was on the mountaintops of faith. He was called to offer his son Isaac up on a mountaintop, and he was ready to do it. But when he relied upon his own strength, he failed miserably. He and his wife were old. Pretty soon, Sarah was too old to bear children. What are we going to do? Ah, I'll take a second wife. I'll take Hagar as a concubine. And, and, and then I'll produce the seed that way. So he produced Ishmael. What a disaster that was. What a disaster. He relied upon his own strength. Take Jacob. Jacob was one of the patriarchs of Israel. But he had, he had great weakness. The Lord had made it clear that the special blessing was to come to him, and the future of God's covenant was with him, not his brother Esau. Instead of waiting faithfully, in faith, for the Lord to do his work, he thought he'd take it on his own hands. So when his brother came in from the hunt, famished, and, and Jacob had a, 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 a pot, a pot of, of, of whatever he had in there, he sold. He induced Esau to sell his birthright to him for a mess of pottage. And then when his father, in weakness, was going to later on 
give the birthright blessing to Esau, he plotted with his mother, Jacob did, to deceive his father. And again, made a mess of everything. He had to flee for his life. Went to Uncle Laban. There he married two sisters. One trouble after the other. Thankfully, God, in his faithfulness, preserved Jacob and even used his sin to bring about his purpose. But Jacob relied upon his own strength. Then one more example, Peter. Oh, Peter had... Peter was sure that he would never deny the Lord. In the Last Supper, Jesus warned his disciples, you're all going to abandon me today. You're all going to forsake me for what's happened, what's going to come. And Peter, Peter, bold as can be, says, I will never, never abandon thee, Lord. I'll die for thee. And he met the situation of his Savior's arrest in his own strength. And he was the one who publicly denied his Lord three times. With cursing and oaths, I don't even know the man. And the same is going to be true for you and me. The degree that we rely upon our own strength or mere human resources like medicine, insurance, our friends, we will fail miserably in serving the Lord. And we will make a mess of marriage, our family, the church. Not in your own strength. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. All power and authority belongs to Jesus Christ. Just before his ascension, Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And Jesus said that in anticipation of his being seated at the right hand of God in glory. And at that position, all power, all authority shall be given to me. That power was given to him as the mediator by the triune God. And it was given to him on the basis of his perfect work of sacrifice on the cross where he suffered and endured the punishment of God's people that you and I deserve. He took it away. He walked in perfect obedience for us. What a sacrifice. The one only sacrifice that stands as the basis and assures us of our salvation. And on that basis, he was exalted into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, given all power and authority. And as that mediator with all power and authority, Jesus brings to us our salvation. And with his power, he empowers us to live our salvation and to overcome the evil one, and to do all things that God has called us to do. That's the only power 
that is strong enough that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens uh, all things that God calls us to do. That's illustrated by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 10, 7 through 10. Let me read that. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. In the first part of this chapter, Paul says that he was taken to heaven. He doesn't know whether it was in the body or the soul, but to see things and hear things in heaven that he was not allowed to reveal. But this was to prepare him for his work as an apostle. And now he says in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, in other words, lest I get a big head, get proud, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, some physical ailment, some physical limitation. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Wow. Then Paul goes on, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That's an amazing passage. The Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. You've got this thorn in the flesh. You consider it to be a hindrance to your work. Oh, no, it's not. My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul, without this thorn in the flesh, you're going to rely upon your own strength. But I took that away. So you have to rely upon my strength. My strength is made complete in your weakness. And so Paul says, so when I am weak, then am I strong. <laughs> and so Paul makes a, a very wonderful confession. Mostly, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory or boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that's the key. The power of Christ resting upon me. And that's no less true for you and me. Only when the power of Christ rests upon us can we do all things that God lays before us to do. Now, how do we receive that power? We receive that power only when we are in Jesus Christ. That's not evident through the King, in the King James Version of the Bible. I can do all things through Christ, is the translation. Literally, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. 
Jesus makes that clear in John 15, 5, which we recited before. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. A vine and the branches. The branches are literally in the vine. Connected to the vine. Receive from the vine life-giving sources to bear fruit. The branches are literally in the vine. And we must be so connected to Jesus Christ so that we are spiritually in him as the vine and the branches, the branches are in the vine. That becomes a reality through faith. Through faith. In Lord's Day 7, the Heidelberg Catechism speaks of being engrafted into Christ by faith. In Bible times, with the olive orchards, an olive tree could be more than a century old, but pretty soon it didn't bear much fruit. So they would cut off a branch from a wild olive branch, olive tree, and then graft it into that trunk so that it was literally in the trunk, grew into that trunk, and lived out of that trunk. Now, faith is what engrafts us into Christ. Faith joins us to Christ with a wonderful union. We are joined to Christ by the work of the Spirit. And that union with Christ shows itself in the activity of faith. We come to know God as our God. We come to love Him. And then we trust in Him. And we rely upon Him. That's faith. That's the union with Christ. We don't rely upon ourselves anymore. We realize that there's nothing there. We rely upon Christ. We rely upon Him for forgiveness of our sins. We rely upon Him for the power of a new life. We rely upon Him for the strength to do the work set before us, no matter how intimidating it is, no matter how difficult. And of course, that's done with our attention in the Word and the prayers we utter to God. That's faith. And through that faith that joins us to Christ, we are strengthened. The strength and the power of Christ comes to rest upon us so that we can do all things. Do you experience that? Let's live our faith. Let's by faith trust God's word. What I give you to do, you can do. 
what I give you to do, no matter how difficult it is, I'll empower you in Christ to do it. Your sinful nature doesn't want that. Your sinful nature doesn't believe that. The sinful nature wants to live by sight, not by faith. But by faith, laying hold of Christ in prayer, in the Word, His strength and power comes to rest upon us. To do things that sometimes we look back at and say, I never thought I could do that. But the Lord was there. Let us grow in our faith. Let us live our faith. So that with Paul we can also say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Father in heaven, we give thanks to thee for Jesus Christ. Lord, take this word and place it upon our, in our hearts. Give us to he not only hearers of this word, but also doers. Lord, give us to be content in all, our, all thy ways. Give us confidence in thee that we can do all things in Christ. In whose name we pray, amen. I like that. <laughs>